Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I am Al Warren, back taking the reins after Mr. David Martino was driving the bus off the road yesterday. That's right. (laughs) I I avoided a crash, but barely. Oh, no, it was good. People, <laughs> people will like it. You know, come on. It's not that. Yeah, sure. It's not a, it's, you know, everything's good. Not That's right. To, not to be worried. You know, <laughs> things are good. Um, okay, so let's see what we've got up today. Now, we're going to be uh, talking true crime today, and we're going to be talk, talking with a man we've had on before. It's been a few years, but, uh, and uh, this time he's talking from murder to movies. And so, Mr. Paul Drexler, thank you for being on the show. Pleasure. Well, Paul, so what have you been up to lately? It looks like uh, last time we talked to you, there was it was notorious San Francisco. So now we're going from that to um, the murder to movies. Um, how, what made you jump into that sort of uh, uh, theme? Well, I, I, was, I was thinking about it, and it, it really occurred to me, a, that people are interested in crimes that become movies. And also, I wanted to write about something that was not uh, so local to San Francisco, something that could be international. But it's, you know, you watch you watch uh, so many movies, I mean, so many crimes have been made into movies. Uh, and you, you always watch it and think, that really happened? Or was it really like that? You know, so... I've started investigating, and I, I was really trying to pick crimes that um, showed more that, that were bigger than just the crime that, that reflected something that was going on in the world. 
so, uh, yeah, and I got hooked on it. Some of these stories really just intrigued me. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thought, theme, right, too, because a lot of people don't really know um, the connection to, to some of the famous movies they've probably seen, and um, I think that's great. Now, um, how did you go about researching something like this? Uh, well, a lot of it, fortunately, today you can do online. And it was looking at pretty much some old stories. Uh, and I did remember, it's like, you know, the Jimmy Cagney movies. The, the quintessential Jimmy Cagney line is, you'll never get me alive, coppers. Come and get me, you know, that kind of stuff. And I found out when I really researched it that, you know, uh, Jimmy was a, was a tough Irish kid, but he didn't come up with that line, nor did the uh, scriptwriter. It came from a guy named Francis Crowley. It came from two, two different people, 31 years apart. These are people who uh, shot it out with police. They, their lives played out in, in barricaded apartments in New York, the sound of bullets, the smell of tear gas, police, and also the excited noise of tens of thousands of people in the street. Can imagine that. Uh, so, it, 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 you know, that really kind of intrigued me. Where, where do you think they got the, um, you know, like the ideas, like w- when they were putting that film together for James Cagney, where do you think, so they got it from, from Crowley and, and you're saying Robles. So how was it that they did that? Were they out looking for it? Do you think they just kind of read about it somewhere, overheard it? Like where, how did they connect it? Well, there, no, it, it's also, I mean, there's, there's a lot of truth to it because at that period of time, there were a lot of uh, Irish gangsters, tough guys, uh, they didn't tend to um, work in a group like the maybe the Italians and Jews, but uh, so and, and and Jimmy Cagney had that kind of personality. Um, but I, I so I think it was it was there. I didn't. They didn't like find an article and then just think of it. It was in the air, and uh, it, this character was supposed to be the model for one of. Um, the Cagney movies. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it, I think it was there to begin with. And uh, of course, Warner Brothers made a whole bunch of Irish gangster movies. It's funny how the um, gangster movies, uh, all, all the way back as far as you can go, um, how gangsters were sort of um, liked by the common people like people that watch these movies and see that they they kind of idolize um these kind of gangsters it's it's strange how that is yeah it's true today uh, it, it is it is kind of weird uh, well they like the idea of, of i think shooting it out I, you know no matter how terrible this guy is he's surrounded by hundreds of cops and he's shooting it out so it's like david versus goliath and the kind of sense there. And I think the, uh, uh, guts that these people have now, not for any good purpose, but I, I think it's attractive. And look, violence is attractive. You know, it leads, it leads. So, uh, it, you know, you look at TV shows and 
tremendous amount of or pop shows, you know, doctor shows, legal shows, but stuff with a with a visceral feel to it, with the beginning, middle, and end, and uh, you know, you can do a lot of uh, violence and special effects, and basically, and this one uh, uh, definitely had had plenty of it. There were a lot of uh, stories like this. And it's also that it's interesting that the, the people in these stories, the two killers, were both little guys. And uh, Kim McCagney was 5'4". So that, that seems to be, you know, uh, a theme a little bit to make up for your size or for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I, yeah, the people I know that are five two and three quarters are the same. <laughs> that would be me. They, they're the same way, you know. They're... And I've never killed anybody that uh, anybody's ever found out about. Yeah, well, that's well, a good. I'm question. researching you right now, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he used a different name, so you know. That, well, that's true. So now, Francis Crowley. So, how much do you research the real people behind it? Do you research Francis Crowley a lot? Well, yeah, I, I researched, you know, uh, kind of whatever I could, could get on him. What was also interesting with Crowley is that there was a newsreel on him when he was captured. And this newsreel went all over the country. You know, at the time, movies would show newsreels uh, in between movies. And this is one of the first kind of shootouts. And it, uh, so... It, that that was like a great kind of addition to it. Uh, you see, you know, I, I basically do the basic the research, however I can find it. It's it's usually a lot of it is on uh, the internet, but you know, I might find a link to something else. Often, when I'm researching one crime, I read about another one and I get interested in that. So it's 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 largely uh, at least to begin with uh, newspapers. And these were young people too. Uh, Crowley, I think, was only nineteen when this happened, and um, his, his girlfriend Helen Walsh, I believe, was like only sixteen. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, people are worried about kids going going wrong today. Look at go back in history. There's a lot of people like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's and he was like, uh, I don't want to see his program. It wasn't. But, he he had all the factors that could help make him the way he was. So he was born out of wedlock in 1913. Um, his stepbrother, John, had been killed by police in 1925. So uh, he was a, it was a, a, a Nixie fighter. A Nixie fighter is an obscure underworld term that goes back to uh, gangs in St. Louis around 1900. But it's someone who likes to fight police, someone who hates police. And uh, he was definitely one of them. And also, since he was a little guy, he always carried two guns, and that's why he was known as Two-Gun Crowley. They had better nicknames than me. <laughs> um, you know, so he got into it. He was already wanted by police for robbery. And his partner, a guy by the name of 
Fats Duringer had killed his girlfriend in, in uh, Crowley's car the week before. And then Crowley, with his new 16-year-old girlfriend, is sitting in the car in Merrick, Long Island, and police come just to, you know, see what was going on. They were kind of like a, in a lover's room. And when the patrolman, Fred Hirsch, asked him for identification, Crowley immediately shot and killed him. He died as a father of four. And, of course, this is big news, and the whole police force was out looking for him. Uh, and the, also, the authorities were, were afraid that he would kill his girlfriend to, because she was a witness. Um, but the girlfriend's mother had an interesting reaction. She said, uh, Frank Crowley is a splendid young man, no matter what people say about his being murdered. Now, if she had listened to Crowley, Crowley said, Sure, I killed him. I fired 16 shots at him. I killed that copper deader than hell. Then I got out of the car to make sure he was dead. Uh, a slightly different feeling from that. And uh, so all of the police were mobilized to, to find him. And uh, he and his girlfriend and parents are hiding out. And they go to this apartment on West 90th Street. And it, it turns out to be, and this is a hint to all future criminals, never hide from the police with your new girlfriend in your old, go- in your old girlfriend's apartment. <laughs> That's what he did. And, and, and his old girlfriend got sort of pissed and went to a bar and sort of blabbing it and they go back back to the police. Um, so they, they surrounded this apartment. And there was like 300 policemen set up machine guns on the roofs. And at about five o'clock, the, the battle began. Now, first, the cops tried to, you know, just break the door down. And the cop who led that was a guy named Johnny Broadman, who was known as uh, the toughest cop in New York. He was actually quite famous uh, for a while because uh, he his beat was Broadway. And he was a character in a lot of the, uh, Walter Winchell and Damon Runyon's story. His, his character is um, Johnny Bannock in, in the, uh, stories by, by Runyon. So anyway, they knock at the door and they're met by gunfire. So the members uh, of the police squad chopped a hole in the roof of the building and fired into the apartment and drove Crowley and Derringer back into the and back of the apartment. And during the this a two-hour battle, we shot over 700 rounds in the apartment. And during lulls in the fighting, Crowley uh, and his girlfriend Walsh wrote their final messages to the world in case they did not survive. And uh, Crowley says, "Under my cloth is a weary heart, but a kind one, a heart that would do nobody any harm. I had nothing else to do. That's why I went around and bumped off cops." And uh, his girlfriend was, was also very philosophical. If I die in my face, you are able to see. Wave my hair and make my face pretty. Do my nails all over. I don't use this kind of polish. It's too dark. I like pale pink. So about 7 o'clock, their ammunition is just about exhausted. And Crowley's got uh, three bullets in his arms and legs. And they give up. 
And when they rush into the apartment and search Crowley, they find an, a, another gun strapped to his, uh, strapped to his thigh. But this event, and you can find this on the internet, um, led to this very famous news in the 1930s. And it, it, it's, it's wonderful to watch because it's got that, you know, that kind of announcer voice in the newsreels in the 1930s? Kind of that nasal, it's like a Walter Winston kind of nasal voice and, and, you know, with a lot of excitement. They were arrested and uh, they were tried. Uh, wasn't, wasn't like a big trial. His girlfriend turned police evidence. So she, nothing happened there. And they were convicted pretty quickly. And he, he was executed uh, before his 21st birthday. And then 24 years later, happened again. And what's interesting is that he was born in 1913. This other guy was also born in 1913. Now, this shootout happened in 1955. And this guy uh, was Augie Robos. And this happened on the Upper East Side. They, they both were slums at the time that these shootouts took place. And uh, so the whole thing started with this this guy, it was kind of this guy who had, he wanted to be a big criminal, but he had no judgment, no confidence, and no luck. This guy, his name is Martin Yaman. He had this idea to rob uh, a big numbers guy in Baltimore. And he hired these two cops. Uh, these two, I'm sorry, not two cops. That has happened. Though. But uh, two ex-cons, uh, Joe Arnowitz and Joseph Sampson. And they entered the house posing as NAACP representatives. Uh, but this guy, Albert, who's the, 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 the numbers boss, got the drop on them and blasted away with his gun. Arnitz was wounded and he was arrested. So he agreed to turn state's evidence. And that's when Augie Rose came into the picture. He was hired to kill this guy. And Augie Robles was, had been in trouble since his age nine. He was sent to reform school for attacking his mother. He had been in trouble with the law for like 35 of his 43 years. And he had a real reputation. He was also, he was a, a contract killer. So anyway, Robles lured this guy Arnowitz into a car, killed him, and left his body conveniently in front of a casket company. So... The police learn about Robles. They go to arrest him. They find him at his girlfriend's house. There's three detectives there. Just before they leave, it's, it's a cold day out. And uh, Robles says, hey, can I you know, put my overcoat on? They said, yeah. Well, he had a gun in his overcoat. He got a drop on the three detectives. And he took their guns. Then he, earning the name Four Gun Robles. So... The police go back and they, they, uh, they're very sheepish and they find a guy who knows him, a cop who knows him, who gives him uh, a tip. You know, try this apartment. And so they, they try the apartment, knocks on the door, says police. And Robles, who recognized the voice of the cop, says, oh, hello, Frank, and then fires his way out of the building. So 
they found where he was pulled up on 112th Street. And there was 12 heavily armed detectives, six wearing bulletproof vests. They tried to crash it down, but were met with a hail of gunfire. 200 police, police with machine guns. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 to get 20 20, to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. So uh, this thing took a couple of hours. And between volleys, Grover shattered, you'll never take me alive. And uh, after an hour, the detectives burst into the apartment and exchanged shots with Rovers. 
and the cop ordered him to surrender, Robles said, I'll think about it. And um, the gunfire continued, and Robles was dead. And Robles' story was the inspiration for a 1968 movie called Madigan, which starred Richard Widmark and Harry Gardino as detectives who had 72 hours to find the killer who had taken their gun. And, you know, Augie's last stand became part of the neighborhood legend. You know, all the kids would say, come and get me, I'm Augie Rose. And, uh, but his influence had one more victim to claim, which is four years later, just a few blocks from the shootout, police arrested Angel Robles, Augie's 19-year-old nephew, for killing an unarmed grocer. Angel told police that his uncle Augie told them how to shoot and told them the best targets are cops. Well, either they got killed, you know, in gun battle, or they seemed to get... Um, they sure didn't waste any time executing people, did they? No, they did not. Mm. It's true. Uh, yeah, just a, it, it could be as quick as three or four months. Yeah, I think that's good in a way. Saves a lot of a lot of money and time, right? Well, it, it's good in a way, except that you're guaranteed that you will execute an innocent man. That's that's a lead pipe thing, really, because there have been so many cases where that's happened, and even cases where the people confessed, but they hadn't done it, uh, and you know, this it continues to happen. That's, that's sort of. One of the reasons that I'm against capital punishment because it, it will guarantee that innocent people killed. I mean, I just feel that the biggest thing is to take them out of circulation, protect the public. But and if you're in jail without hope of parole, that does pretty much the same thing. It's cheaper. People don't realize how much these legal battles cost. They cost millions of dollars. So it's actually more expensive to try to kill a guy than it is to keep him alive for the next. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, process for sure. Yeah. Well, some of these uh, movies actually kind of made a case uh, in the public consciousness against the death penalty. It seems. Yeah, yeah, and that's an interesting one. It's, it's uh, the Barbara Graham case. Barbara Graham did not have a great beginning. Uh, she was born in Oakland. Her mother was a 15-year-old prostitute who viewed her as an annoying burden. And when Barbara was two, her mother was sent to the Ventura School for Girls, the reformatory in Southern California. Well, 15 years later, Barbara was also sent to the Ventura School. And released to, to marry a U.S. Coast Guardsman, went to business school, had a couple of children. But the marriage didn't work out. And uh, she was jailed in San Diego for mood and disorderly content in 1942 and 44. And she worked briefly for Sally Stanford, a legendary uh, uh, madam in San Francisco. Sally Stanford had probably the most luxurious uh, house of prostitution in the United States. But again, she drifted. She she was a, a, a drifted into the drug use, and she made money by kind of luring men into crooked gambling. And she had, you know, the, what's interesting is that she had absolutely no sense of self-protection. She had no common sense. So, for example, 
1950, these two ex-cons burst into Sally Stanford's apartment and started beating her. And Stanford broke away, ran to the window, and started screaming. And said, you're not you're going to get nothing from it. And these robbers ran out. Well, when the trial came, Barbara agreed to give one of the robbers an, uh, an alibi, even though she didn't even know him that well. And, of course, the alibi was blown out of the court, and she was sent up for a year uh, for uh, perjury. Um, and then things things sort of kept going downhill for her. And she married this guy uh, who was a drug-addicted bartender, and he had some pretty shady friends. Uh, when I write in my thing, it's a bad taste to manage from the downfall of many women. But rarely has anyone chosen as poorly as Barbara. Because her husband's friends, these guys, Jack Santos and Emma Perkins, who were vicious killers, they had, they had killed a, a grocer and his three kids earlier. And uh, they heard the story about this woman, Mabel Monaghan, who was a wealthy woman, and her son-in-law was a, a big gambler in Vegas. And there was a rumor that she had $100,000 um, in a safe in her house. So, you know, Barbara had never been involved in any, any kind of violent crime at all. But they needed Barbara because this woman was, was, uh, was pretty wise. And she was not going to open the door just to some stranger. So they figured, well, she might open it to a woman. And that's kind of what Barbara job was and um, the robbery was a total disaster there was no money in but they ended up killing the woman and uh, they they arrested one guy agreed to the safe cracker who was not involved in any of the violence uh, had turned state's evidence but these uh Criminals found out about it, so they took him for a ride. And then there was another guy there who also was going to be helped to get the money out, who agreed to turn state's evidence. And this is kind of where this, where this, the controversy happens. So Barbara and these two guys are being tried for murder. Their trial judge this guy named Charles Frick, who sent more people to the gas chamber than any other judge in California. And, you know, a murder case really depends on a lot whose story the jury likes best. But Barbara was her worst enemy because, you know, you mostly, you're on trial for murder. You're a woman on trial for murder. You're going to dress very conservatively. You're going to try to be, you know, Meek. She didn't that. She didn't do that. She dressed in tight clothes. She talked tough. Uh, she glared the prosecution. And, you know, she had kind of internalized the criminal code with this don't tell. Don't write on film. So the guy who, his name is John True, who's testifying against them, claimed that when they, when the robbery was going on, that Barbara 
had beaten the woman over the head with a pistol. And the press started calling her bloody back. And the name stuck. Uh, also, she was pretty easy to manipulate. And uh, they made a deal with one of the other prisoners who said she knew someone who could give her, her an app, who could give Barbara an alibi. The guy turned out to be an undercover cop. Now, this is something they couldn't, you couldn't really legally do today, but at, 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 at that time, you could. So, anyway, there's uh, the trial. They're all convicted. And after the conviction, there was a newspaper reporter for the San Francisco Examiner. His name was Ed Montgomery. He'd won the Pulitzer Prize. He'd actually found uh, a body that the police were looking for in, a, in another crime. But he started corresponding with her. And he, he started feeling that she was innocent. Now, uh, when she was executed, this is like, as she gets into the gas chamber, the prison guard says, take, take deep breaths, it's easier. And he said, how would you know? You know? So she is killed, she is executed. And then they decide to make a movie about her life based on the, on the, uh, the newsman's stories. And Susan Hayward played the part. And she played a part in a movie called I Want to Live. And this movie won her the Academy Award. Um, and sort of when it came out, it was a lot of people started feeling, you know, she shouldn't she shouldn't have been killed, and I, and I think it's highly unlikely that he that she beat anyone. What's much more likely is that the other people did, and this guy who was testifying was trying to make himself look better, and he just buried his testimony. Uh, that's that's probably pretty much what did happen. So. If this became a huge cause celebre, the, the capital punishment, and this happened to come at the same time that Carol Chessman was fighting for his life in San Quentin. I, I don't know how much this goes back away. It goes back to late 40s and early 50s, so I don't know how many of your listeners know about Carol Chessman. But Carol Chessman was a career criminal who uh, was convicted, actually it was for a number of rapes, but he was given the death sentence by, uh, it was sort of, they claimed it was, it was kidnapping because he moved the victim eight feet, whatever it was, he was sentenced to death. And then he wrote this book called Death Cell 2455 that became a huge bestseller uh, in the 1950s, and there was a huge effort to, to save him. So both of these things were hitting at the same time, and that really brought up the, the capital punishment. Oh, one other thing is, as Barbara was led into the gas chamber, good people are always so sure that they're right. So, you know, that that was a case, uh, really, that it it goes to a larger issue. It's interesting um, to look back at that. There's things that you didn't realize at the time, you know. Um, until you do, how many how many cases in all have you put together on these? Uh, I have a list of about twelve, probably. Yeah, 
Are, so are you going to present them all on online there on your website, or are you going to put them in a book? What do you think uh, you're going to well, do? Well, I, I may put them, you know, it, I always find it useful to have deadlines. And I've, I've had these articles published in Crime Traveler, which is a really good website uh, about crime. It's published in the U.K., and I think I'll continue probably doing that. Um, the next case actually is an interesting because, you know, I'm just going to tease it a little bit. You know that the Zodiac case actually, we know who did it. Now, <laughs> uh, and I, I wrote an article, you know, the, just recently there was this whole big thing about this other guy doing it who, in uh, near Yosemite the rest of his life and there was a whole you know this producer had this whole group of, of ex-FBI agents who, who were sort of claiming that to be true although uh, when you really investigated these guys had very little to do with the case but anyway it's pretty clear that, that this guy didn't do it and the case I'm referring to is not the California case it's the case that happened 6,000 miles away. It's called the Korean Zodiac. And what's interesting about it is two really good uh, directors made movies about the cases. You know, Zodiac was made in 2007 by David Fincher. And, uh, you know, the guy who won the Academy Award for Parasite in 2019 was one of the great directors and his second movie he loosely based it on on this zodiac case in korea uh, and then after it happened they found out who did it and i i can go into that at, at no time but it's 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 interesting to compare the movies you know in terms of uh, how close they are to the truth and just how this is handled because, you know, if you're making a movie about a case that's not solved, you have a little tough road. I mean, most cases, you know, you know who did it, and either they escape or they get killed or whatever happens at the end. This time, you don't know. So you have to end it in some way that, that is uh, interesting enough, I guess. You know, it's, it's interesting. How do you... Um... How do you compare them? Like, why why would it be the uh, Korean Zodiac? What what were the similarities in the oh, two cases? Oh, okay. Uh, I'll tell you. Well, first of all, it was called that. It was the first serial killing case in Korea. South Korea. It, it was, uh, and this person killed like, and raped 10 women. He, I mean, he, he had, the, he, he didn't kill them the same way that the Zodiac did. You know, Zodiac uh, you know, didn't have sex with any of the, you know, victims and he was, he shot them or stabbed them. This guy would strangle them and he had sort of a way of doing it that, that was his, uh, modus operandi, I guess you could call it. And so it, he went up to like 10, 10 people. What's similar about it is they were huge cases and literally thousands of people who were interviewed will uh, try to uh, find out. So that's that's why. I didn't name it, but I, but it is, it is called the Zodiac case uh, because of, of the original. You know, there's a, there's a one in New York also, the New York Zodiac. Uh, 
I'm glad to see the original San Francisco Zodiac as much. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you got next? Like what's coming up after all this? Like what do you got planned in the works now? Well, just, I, I think a series, uh, you know, a series of these stories and, and a book. Uh, I'm going to be in London in a couple of months. There is, uh, a thing called CrimeCon, CrimeCon, which is right. an interesting, very interesting idea. I, I was at an earlier one. Basically, it's people who went to true crime. It, it turns out to be about 60 to 70 percent women. And there are panelists, you know, people who are detectives or whatever, who have something to do with it. Usually have people who are involved in some of the TV true crime shows. And, you know, people go, they watch, they, 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 uh, buy books. It's, they try to figure out who did it. There are some, you know, there, there is now seeing some like, uh, private detectives. It, it, it's like crowdsourcing. This is happening. There have been a number of cases where they don't know who did it, but a whole bunch of people try to solve it. I, I don't think it's a great police technique, but uh, <laughs> gets people involved. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that's, there's that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, involvement, you know, it, it gives you a chance to, to sort of throw yourself in and kind of be uh, an amateur detective. Well, that's pretty interesting. Now, uh, what's what's your website, or what, where where do people find you? My website is crookstour.com, and the other website would be uh, crime trapping. That would be the one that would have my latest. Great. Now we'll have that up on our website as well, so people can find and find you and, and read a little bit of your stuff and and uh, go from there. You know, great. It's been great. It's been very interesting. It's always good to hear about old crimes and and different takes on it. So, um, thank you. Our our guest today has been Paul Drexler. Thanks very much. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.